welcome to the PRS podcast. This is Rabbi Patrick here with founder and director of Pluralistic Rabbinical Seminary, Rabbi Sandy Zisser. My friend. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing all right. And I tell you, I got to like what you posted in the uh, PRS Slack channel the other day. So every morning at 8.30-ish, roughly in the morning, I post Boker or Boker Tov or Boker 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 or something just to like get the ball rolling. And you posted Boker Mediocre. Yes. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> well, it's true though. You, you don't always have to be Tov, right? Mediocre that's is good. Mediocre is what it, it isn't, is. I mean, mediocre is average. It's satisfactory, right? It's like the middle, the middle bubble in the in the list, right? That you have yeah. to fill out. Right. <laughs> Sometimes getting a C in a class is okay. Sure, it's passing. A C in life, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, it depends on when you're also answering that. If it's like you know, before the coffee, after the coffee, at work, right. is it the weekend, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, I get it. Hope... It's good. Yeah. So. Well, we hope you enjoyed the last podcast episode. Please subscribe on whatever platforms you like and reach out to us at jewishpluralism.org with you know your questions, comments, concerns. Uh, we'd love to feature any of your questions or comments or concerns for that matter on an upcoming episode. So this is your podcast. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll work on it. Um, on this week's episode, Solving the Problems of a Divided Jewish World. So we're going to talk about why PRS was needed so badly and the problems we attempt to solve with this online rabbinical seminary and, you know, how that's going, basically. So just to get started, so Rabbi Sandy, you were you were really the one who saw PRS as an opportunity to the, unite the Jewish world. That, that wasn't a me thing at all, period. You were the one that had that. So if you can think back, what inspired that or maybe what even continues to inspire that within you? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. So you're right. It was a me thing. And I think in many ways, it was what I insisted. If we're doing this, we were going to do it. If you remember, right. That's how we were going to do it. Right. Right. Uh, and, and for, for me personally, it just made total sense, you know, working in the Jewish world and always having been working for a movement in one way or another, like either right. the synagogue I was working in or the the day school that I was working in or working in, you know, it's always tied to one group of people, but there was never ever only one group of people attending any of those. You know, if you, <laughs> you, you know, if you go to a conservative synagogue or a reform synagogue, the people that are members are members because they like something about the synagogue. You know, it, right. it, it may right. be the, the theology part, but it rarely is. You know, <laughs> I think that 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 so much of it is, you know, oh, I like this rabbi or, you know, I, I like the people, my friends go there or something like that. And and it didn't make sense to me that that we were so pigeonholed in the movements that we were in. And the fact is so many times we see it that it, it divides who we are instead of it make, you know, we're we're our worst enemy. Right. That's how it works. You know, so we the more we divide ourselves the the more fractured we become and the more you know the more apart we are so when we created prs i think that the the main focus that i had was it had to be pluralistic it couldn't just be, and we didn't have the name yet remember we, we right <laughs> working that working on the name could be another podcast but the yes. but the concept that we had the first thing we talked about was it had to have representation it had to not just be one viewpoint because just between the two of us there's no one viewpoint right, right you know so if you think about it you know you know that it's a joke you know the joke like you know 
three Jews, four opinions. Right. But it's true. You know, like right. there's no there, there there's no commonality except for that we're Jewish. You know, right. and, and then right. everything else divides people. So it had to be that way. It had to be specifically pluralistic from the get-go. And in many ways, you know, we far surpassed that, <laughs> you know, in 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 what we've been thinking about how that would, would look. Uh, because of the people we have working for us and the people that we have attending. And it's just great that way. You know, it really is. And it's funny to think back on experiences that happen in your life and how that impacts who you become. So, you know, starting off and I, you know, I hate the cliche of Jewish journey, like that phrasing in, in our world of people saying the phrase Jewish journey, but there, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, starting off at a much younger age, going to, you know, these sort of very classical reform synagogues, trying that out, and then winding up in the reconstructionist world, and then bouncing into the conservative world, and, you know, never thinking I was going to become a shul rabbi, and now I'm on, you know, shul number two. Um, so, you know, this experience of being in a lot of different kinds of environments uh, really does impact you, and, and even if you think of yourself as a dyed-in-the-wool conservative, Mazorti, modern Orthodox, whatever, everything is on a spectrum, everything. So, you know, moments where I've been with, I, I think personally, there's more halakhic, for lack of a better word, diversity in the conservative movement than there is in a lot of other places. Um, but some people might disagree with that. But uh, I mean, the number of times that I have been with uh, like conservative cantors or conservative rabbis, and I was convinced you know, because they were this way on this issue, then they would be this way on that issue that, you know, so much the lesser applies to the greater types of things and, sure. and all of that and, uh, and vice versa. And then you suddenly find out, oh, no, they're, they're great on that. But no, don't you dare touch that one, you know, <laughs> right, like right. that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and uh, the truly, even if you consider yourself a this or a that, you're going to wind up being somewhere on a spectrum. And that also that changes over time. You know, every, you know, rabbi I've ever known has changed their positions on things as they have gotten older, either to become more, for lack of a better word, liberal, or for lack of a better word, more traditional. Um, and so this idea that we would start a seminary, that we would start, first of all, that we would start a denomination, a movement. And then on top of that, we would start a seminary. And then on top of that, we would start a rabbinical union. It's like, that that is absurd. It's just another way, like you said, to divide people. Right, right, and you know that that idea of creating a movement <laughs> was something that was so not in the cards. You know, right. creating right. creating a. Anything, Why would you? Right, we have enough problems with the ones we have. Why put another one in the mix? Right, and besides, you want you want other people to to support what you're doing, not automatically hate what you're doing, right? So you feel that if you start something that's so, you want to call something radical, starting a movement is radical, right? right? In right. Judaism, right? But starting a seminary apparently isn't. So, yeah. you funny know, that. right? Isn't that funny? Because if you do remember, like, originally, we were like, wow, can't wait for the hate comments to come in. And we had none. Yeah, right? zero, was, zero. Yeah, which was weird beyond belief, because uh, I was ready to like to defend, you know, <laughs> sword sure. and shield, right? And there was sure. like, okay, okay, you could take the moat away. We don't need it, you know, <laughs> no drawbridge, right? No, right. you don't have to defend the castle. Uh, but it was like this really funny thing because I think that also shows you that people actually have their their ideas change over time, right? Right, right. like 
10 years ago if we started we'd have a right. lot of oh god back, look we, you know? we had an example of that because almost 10 years ago we started darshan yeshiva Right. And, you know, I, I thought maybe I was on some assassination list, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was wild how much we had to deal with problems with that. And then, yeah, I, it was so anticlimactic when we, <laughs> we started BRS. We had, you know, one random person on Facebook make a comment. And then we had a, a rabbi reach out to me who, you know, said that they didn't like the initial faculty list well we hadn't posted the faculty list so what what was there to dislike and then on top of that i think you said well this person really is just kind of interviewing for a job in a yeah. very backwards uh, you know backhanded way sure, and i was right. like all right fine and, that, and then that was literally it that was i mean I, still to this day i'm kind of shocked that we don't get you know lots of trolley messages and, and stuff like that we just don't right we don't and i think the majority of the reason why is because we have solid people working with us right you right. know and we have and we when there's have, nothing to hate you can't and there's nothing right there's nothing yeah. to hate for that right and, and also the idea that i think somewhere deep down movement rabbis are rooting for us yes I you know because they I can't agree. do it and i feel like they're like wishing they could and right. and they're secretly rooting for it um, right well know. and we will never name names but you and i have both had these you know colleague moments and i think you more so than me just because of, of the differences in what we do all day where it's like hey rooting for you guys from afar you right know, can't, right. can't say anything and it's like well you know why don't you why don't you join us why don't you you know, why can't we pay you to teach a lecture, to do a class, to build a, a course, whatever? And it's like, yeah, I'm I'm too afraid. I mean, right. let's call it what it is. It's fair. We definitely, we definitely both had those. <laughs> we definitely yeah. have. Yeah. It is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wild stuff. But yeah, you, and you know, we had another one now that I think about it. There was a, a lecture that a teach that a, a rabbi was doing for a course. So they were brought in as a guest lecturer. And I decided to sit in on that class. And I think it was because I was sort of interviewing them, you know, and trying to draw out some questions for the students who were in the Zoom call. And uh, the person actually said at the end of the lecture, something like, well, you know, pluralistic Judaism should somehow, uh, you know, forge an alliance with my denomination and like we could do it together right like you could like join us or we could join you or we could you know almost like the unitarian universalists right it was two different denominations that became one so this lecture was like well you should just talk to you know i'll send you the information from this person and you know maybe the two of you can negotiate some sort of like fusing together i was like it's not a denomination yeah. it's not or i should say a movement i'm using right. the word denomination for people who don't know that we use the word movement but yeah, it's like, we're, it's not a movement. Or people have emailed me and said, so where are the pluralistic synagogues in my community? And I'm like, that's not, that's not a thing. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of fun to think after two years, people might think that. Again, it goes back to the original comment, except the, for the name, most synagogues are pluralistic. Yeah, right. right. You know, how many people do you know in a synagogue that, you know, it's a it's a reformed synagogue, but they would never turn the lights on in the building, you know, or they right. would like, you know, dude, I mean, I, I know rabbis who use microphones in their synagogues, but won't touch them. Right, right. You know, like, yes, exactly. Well, exactly. if you're using it, like, you know, the purpose of using this to be heard, if it can't be heard, you should move it, right? But they won't because of some, you know, 
halachic idea they have of, of right. using it or not, yet they still consider themselves reform rabbis. You know, so right. like right. right, right, right. So they're they're pieces that you would think are so much more. Oh, that only religious people do that. Well, that the terms are bad. You know, like, you know religious right. or or using the reform, orthodox, conservative. You know, when people right. ask me like, what kind of Jew are you? My answer is observant. Right. You right, know, I don't, right. I don't give, and I never have, I never gave the denomination because who cares? Right. You know? Well, and I've been to your house and it's the most Jewish place I've ever seen in my life. I mean, <laughs> it's like, and I like how you've got like the Stein salts and the art scroll, like sort of almost opposing one another. Well, they have to argue living, somehow, right? Right. And like your living room, you got one on one bookshelf and one on the other. And then just a, a series of things from your child who's at college, just like yeah, yeah. laid all over the floor. Is great. Well, you know, the reason why the the different sets of Talmuds are on different shelves on different bookcases because what you know the, there's that it's two bookcases the one I I live on and the one I never go to nah love it you know love it but no that's because of just weight they're they're heavy <laughs> <laughs> they're on the same bookcase it's practical it's all it's practical Judaism that's all it is there you uh, go I, and you know maybe on some level that is kind of like what uh, we do at PRS it is very practical you know you require that students take two units of uh pastoral care mm -hmm. right even though right. these are people who aren't necessarily going to start synagogue type communities they're going to do other things that was very important to you right and uh that makes sense because even today i have four or five sudden pastoral care issues that have come up in my congregation yesterday right and, yeah. and having those skills is frankly I mean, more important than knowing Rashi's script. And, true. you know, people can fight me on that, but I think it's pretty true. Well, you can also have Rashi's script written in modern Hebrew, so it's fine. Right. <laughs> you know, so you, you, don't, you don't actually need it. It's true. But Fair it's, it's, it's interesting. Enough. I was just having that conversation, not the Rashi part, the, right. a conversation with a uh, potential you know, future student okay. who, who I was saying, you know, we do the pastoral care pieces and we, do, we prepare you to be... Uh, a, a rabbi that serves a community because you will be found for life cycle right. events, right? right? You know, you will right. be found for the unaffiliated bar mitzvah somewhere or the wedding of the, the couple that, that everyone else is, every pulpit rabbi from some movement is turning away because they can't do right. an intermarriage, right. you know, right. you will be found. Right. So you need to know what to do. So it's one of the reasons why we, we have those courses because we know even if you're going to you know, not do that, seek out a pulpit life, you will be sought out for life cycle events. Right. And right. most times if they're coming, if they're coming to you, like because you're not part of a of a synagogue, if they find you, you're you're usually the last resort. You know, it's that right. you're the last stop before before they say, oh, forget it. You know what? We'll just have like some some priest marry us or some or some like justice of the peace or just go down to the city right. hall and do right. it. You know, even right. though that even though they there's a you know, there's some deep down urge to have clergy at the wedding or the life cycle right. event and right. and they'll find you is what I tell people. So you have to know it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think maybe this could be a podcast episode. We could just post it, and maybe do a little commentary on it, a director's cut, if you will. But there's uh, the course that I lecture in the American progressive Jewish movements. Yeah. I think that's the name of the course. So I did one lecture in that course and the course was on independent Jewish communities, right. And independent Judaism in America. And uh, you know, one of the things I said was 
we as independent rabbis, right? You can come up with any title you want for yourself. I use the term independent progressive because I find that works for me. You know, Rabbi Sandy here is saying observant. What does that mean? What means how, you know, Rabbi Zisser understands observance, right? Based on a very rigorous Jewish education and life experience. Um, but I, you know, I said in this class and I got a little emotional about it. I remember at one point talking over Zoom like you do, I said, you know, we are as independent rabbis, I get chills just thinking about it. We are the safety net of Judaism. We, because we are the ones who will do that bar mitzvah. We are the ones who will do that wedding. You know, we are the ones who will show up to the hospital for the unaffiliated person who just, you know, needs their, someone to hold their hand while they die. I mean, that's what we do. You know, we are the, we are the ones who create the programs, the organizations, the products, the services that are necessary for the Jewish community to thrive outside of brick and mortar establishments. And that doesn't mean that brick and mortar is bad. It just means that at some point, someone somewhere is gonna need something else. And those communities and those organizations aren't designed to do that work. And it says nothing about them. It just means they're designed to do something in particular and they do it better or worse, depending on what that congregation or that rabbi or whoever is like. But providing that resource to the community is so essential. Someone's got to do the work. Someone's got to drop off the hamantashen to the person who is homebound. Someone has got to, you know, do the baby naming uh, on Zoom or whatever, right? Like someone has to do that. And the fact of the matter is it's an honor and a privilege to get to be that person for those people because no one else can be. Maybe, maybe some of it is, uh, won't be, and that, and that is possible. There are people who rabbis, communities will say, we can't help you for this reason or that. But honestly, I, I think maybe it's just where I've lived in the South. Um, I think that often it's just people who refuse to participate and engage with certain kinds of communities because they're not being served. And we have the honor of giving people that little bit of Judaism in that moment, even if they never participate in anything else ever again. We have that, that one shot, that one moment, that one life cycle, that one uh, purchase of Judaica, whatever our, you know, as they would say in the Christian world, like ministry, like whatever you're seeking, that, uh, that road fake Kodesh, right? Whatever you want to call it, you know, we're the ones who do that. And it's crucial. And people need to stop having low self-esteem as independent rabbis, right? I really, I think on some level, there is a little bit of a problem of that among independent rabbis of like, well, I'm not part of the big blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, I know what an honor to not have to deal with that. Right. I'm, this, this isn't going to turn into like a let's bad mouth the movements. No, not at all. Because, because they, they're necessary. But, they're but I'll necessary. tell you that there's, there's definitely, and there are definitely limitations that you, that you take on when you become part of the movement, a movement. Right. 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 And, and rabbis, you know, who are parts of these movements will say that, that, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I can't do X, Y, Z because the movement won't let me do it. Yeah. And right? they take it on. Honestly, it's a choice they made. Right. No one and, forced them into it and there's nothing bad about it. Right. And that's, and that's just the way it, it is because that's what happens sometimes. And a lot of times, you know, you go to a seminary, just like you go to a college or university, right? right? Because something draws you to it, right? Like right. You, you don't, you don't live by, you know, the, the college 
the college's motto that you went to, right? right. <laughs> but but you sign away in the movement that I'm going to follow these laws sure. and precepts, right? Sure. And so you can't blame them for that. But independent rabbis, you know, they don't get the toaster when they when they become part of the movement, right? Right. Like when, when <laughs> like banks used to way back. Like I was back. about to say, go ahead and just age yourself there. Right. This or... <laughs> no, I don't remember ever getting a toaster from the bank, but um, I hear that that happened, you know, but I just want higher interest rates at this point. Right, they can right, exactly. the toaster. And, you know, it's, it's like becoming part of a, an organization online and they send you a tote bag or something, you know, right, right, right. Yeah, sure. But the fact is that what you get out of it is really community, right? You get out right. of it a sense of, I don't know what to do. Let me go check with the, the, the law committee about right. X, right and right. when you're in the independent zone you are um you, you don't really have that right you don't have right. that piece to it except what we're trying to build for ourselves it's not a movement it's not a union but it's it's a think tank you know it's right. the people it's a cover up. right it's a cover up oh yeah that's the hebrew word for think tank right <laughs> <laughs> right it's a group of people that still stay in touch after they're ordained right. and Right. continue the conversation and i think that's part of what the goal is in the future for us to do is to keep the conversation going with everyone and to be involved so when there is a question you can ask and right. you know as right. as we tell our students rabbis don't have to know everything right like so if you right. if you right. if you have a question you don't know the answer to you know the source to go to hopefully if you don't know the source to go to ask someone who does and then right. that's how it works right. but you need to have that base Right. And that's that's what a lot of times movements do is they provide that base for you to be able to go ask. Right. Right. You know, exactly. So I get that. Yeah. I was thinking about um, about this the other day. There's a student who, you know, in in her sort of a vetting, you know, conversation with you and with me, she said that she went to every seminary, every mm -hmm. one and had some kind of interview visit, you know, uh, orientation, maybe not orientation, because that implies that you, you know, you joined up, but went to every single one. And this one, PRS was the right one. And, uh, and it was by sort of feel, it was just sort of a feeling. And ultimately, for that particular student, that now rabbi, you know, it was like, hey, you know, just something felt off, something didn't feel right. And then when I, you know, spoke with Rabbi Zisser and Rabbi Patrick, it just bingo, that was it. And I, and I do think that there's a certain element of why people join PRS, why they become yeah. students, because of a sense of attract the same way people get attracted to synagogues, right? That there's just something about the people. There's just something about we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. Um, you know, uh, we all come from different places. We all have different, you know, approaches to Judaism, even, uh, you know, ranging from sort of, you know, modern Orthodox to, you know, sort of Jubu contemplative type folks. Sure. And, uh, you know, we have people from sort of outsider perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then we have people who, you know, come, <laughs> they, I always think it's kind of funny. They come to me and they say, well, your innovation class is the one that terrifies me. I'm like, really? Like yeah. taking Aramaic scares me, but yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like, no, 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 Aramaic's fine. Like I got that, but like having to look at spreadsheets, what will what'll I, how will I handle that emotionally, right. Right. right? But I think that you see how authentic it is. You mm -hmm. see that we are willing to admit that rabbis don't always have the answer. 
And it's been surprising to me that every single one of our students from the past cohort that was ordained in December and recording now is towards the end of February, they've all stayed in the Slack channel and they're talking to students for, you know, the, the next cohort below them and the one below that in terms of, you know, newest, you know, newest uh, students. And that's, that's been incredible to me that the senior, the senior graduates are now kind of helping these other students with how to get comfortable often with my class, but, <laughs> but still. Yeah, right. Right, right. And, and we didn't ask them to do it. They no, just, they're they not just being stayed. compensated to do no, it. No, they just stayed yeah, to do a, it because yeah. I think they feel connected to each other. And I think that they feel like a sense of, of pride and obligation to say, I'm going to help with these right. other people because, right. you know, I got through it and I had to learn what to do and now I know. So that's like the right. ultimate piece for us to, to have that, you know, without right. asking. That's, right. you know. And I think, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned about, about, and I know who, who you're talking about, who interviewed you. Right, all the right, other right, right. And I'll tell you that, so I had a similar experience. So when I was looking at, at different seminaries to, to possibly go to way back, sure, you know, sure. a few 30 years ago. And um, although my wife will tell me that, that I'm wrong in the, in the years, because I always seem to over-exaggerate time. Okay. Because, you know, like, I'll have to ask uh, her about that. You know, like 1980 was 10 years ago, right? Oh, so, oh you know, that kind of, yeah, yeah. That type yeah, of thing. So, like, it's probably more like 20 years ago, but it was more like right. in my mind, I say 30. But anyway, right, right. So, I remember I was at a, uh, a large seminary uh, in possibly New York and uh, <laughs> an interview for the, you yeah. know, admissions. And at the end of the tour and at the end of the conversations with all the people, the, my contact person took us to lunch in the cafeteria right, right? okay <laughs> talk about like t- being turned off by something that yeah. <laughs> is totally weird so we right. sit down and we it was they had burgers and fries for lunch right. so we had them right it was, looked, looked right. fine great and right. he would he took like a squirt of ketchup on the plate and dipped like the tip of the french fries into it one okay. by one to eat it but like right. a little like a little like dip <laughs> of ketchup. and i was like this is too weird for me i'm not coming <laughs> You literally chose to not go to this school because of the way a guy ate French fries. Yes, yes, because I figured, because I, I figured if if that's the weird, like if that's like such a small little weird thing, what else could be wrong? That's here? amazing, and that's, that's amazing. and that's an interesting. Like I, I think about that a lot, right? As I'm doing interviews with people, you know, sure, for us, sure. and I think to myself, don't eat French fries. <laughs> exactly, don't show them how you eat. You're right, but. But it part of it for for me is that we are just really what you right. see is what you get, right? right. Like so, right. say like, what you mean, mean what you say. Right. So I'm very real and upfront with people in interviews, right? So if you and if you go to our website, we are exactly what we say, you right. know, down to right. hey, it costs this much, <laughs> you right. know, and, right. and you could see it right there. Like there's no hidden anything, and I think that's in our approach. That's what people really like is right. that we are open and it's and we're very transparent in everything we do and and yeah, when we word. talk to people we mean it it's not like it's not a line although sometimes right, it sounds right. like it like i've 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 spoken to a lot of people in the last i don't know how many years right 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 um and sometimes i feel like i'm on autopilot you know what i'm talking okay, about yeah sure and i'm like sure oh, and now comes the pitch you know like <laughs> right <laughs> right point. but it's right. not it's not really i mean it's just that most people have the same questions, you know, but for, and I've always felt it this way from every instructor we have 
there, yeah, every to every student, it's it's you're real. It's you right. put yourself out, you right. know, and you're accepted into the group, you know. So regardless of of if you're like you know neo Hasidic or like you know right ultra right. you know ultra atheist, well, sure, you know, or anyone in between, it's like I'm out here. This is what I am, and we're right. good. You know, there's there. I've had a lot of questions actually in the last two months about people contacting me saying, well, you know, I, I'm. I'm transgender and, and I was like, and what? Right. Yeah. And so, so tell me more about yourself. I'm right. like, okay. And like, that yeah. was the response. Like yeah. they're expecting me to say, oh, sorry, you can't come. Right. You know, we can't even consider you. And my answer is, and so. Yeah. Or <laughs> that we would treat that as the most interesting part of a person. Right. You know, right. Which is the sort of opposing side of that. It's not only we're accepting, but we're so accepting that we also want to know, well, but what are you going to do in the Jewish world? Like what right. inspires you? Why right. do you wake up in the morning? What are you exactly. passionate about? And, and when we have those moments of people trying, I, I guess they're so used to having to be defensive about who they are. Right. Right. You know, and yeah. how and how they are and what makes them who they are. Like right. that they have to explain themselves away. And it's like, well, I'm this. I'm like, okay. And yeah, and you, you know, know, it's it, well, yeah, what was your statement? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And and we, I remember one week I had something like that happen where I had one student who, uh, yeah, I believe was, uh, I think maybe they were trans, I don't, I don't remember the circumstances exactly. And then on the opposing side, I had someone who came out to me as conservative, as in, you know, sort of politically and socially yes. and things like that. Yes. And, and they're, you know, uh, I think a few cohorts apart from each other, huh? but, uh, you know, having that moment where it's like, wow, we're so open-minded. We let, you know, everybody in. And it almost made me kind of laugh a little bit that, yeah, you know, that that's that the way funny. it is. And, it, you know, I said it in the last podcast episode, you know, look at the bait den, right? Like having right. Our, our Hasidic friend there and, and then the three of us, um, you know, who are a little bit more integrated into the PRS day to day. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I, I think one of the things, you know, for you, I like to think that the, one of the reasons why you're the founder and director is that you had a vision and a purpose that I didn't see immediately. I will say, I think I greedily jumped on this uh, opportunity because I wanted to build the seminary that I wanted to go to, right? Like if I were, you know, Patrick Olive blogging on Cavella or whatever I was doing, Punctura stuff back in the day, and I was doing that search that that one student did where she, you know, they visited all the, uh, you know, the different uh, seminaries and all that. If I was in that position today, uh, I mean, PRS would be obvious. It would just be the obvious choice. And when we had our board meeting, you know, last month or a few weeks ago, even, I think that was one of the things I said was that the theme of this year is obvious choice. You know, what can we do to make it obvious that this is where you want to go to school? This is where you want to teach this is where you want to find community uh, because that that sense of, of PRS just being so obvious is true. Um, and it's been true for me to the point that I even asked you one day and I tried to word it in a slightly glib way because I didn't know what your reaction would be. Can I be a student at PRS? I already have smicha like that. That's done. That part of me right. of my life and that journey is over. But but I kind of want to like I kind of want to anonymously you know, put on a zoom filter so that no one see like a deep fake, you know, right. you know, so that I can take classes and not intimidate anybody. Well, you know, uh, we you have know? a very, we have a very rigorous admissions program. I'm not sure you would get in. 
I may not. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? That's very fair. Yeah, it's, very, it's funny because it's funny that you say that because I when you, you know, and we've talked about this before, I think even last podcast that right. the, the longest th thing that we that took us to cement together were, were the faculty. Right. right. And there were we were specifically looking for certain people. And in the end, it's people that I'd want to learn from. Right. You know, right. that I yeah, that how chose. Cool is that? And and so short, I mean, honestly, you know, we, we can get into the system and watch recordings. So we, we could do that. You know, you don't have to be sitting in the class. But uh, yeah, it's true. The fact is that we we have people who are teaching who we want to learn from. And right. I think that's right. and I think that translates out to other people because it's not just, oh, this person, that person teaching, you know, Talmud. No, we have right people teaching it who know what they're doing and, and this is what they do for a living, you know. Right. You have know, pastoral care, you know, we have we have a person who works in a hospital system, you know, then knows exactly right. what they're doing. So, you know, it's 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 not just, oh, it's a hobby of mine. I like it. So I teach it. Right, right. You know, no, this is what I do. And I teach it here too. You know, so right. there is that part to it, which is which is extremely amazing for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about the practical aspects, you know, practical rabbinics, pastoral care, yeah. things like that. It's part of why I'm so proud of the innovation program, because, mm -hmm. you know, when you and I were first talking about what kind of role you wanted to have, Kind of role I wanted to have. Right. How can we get the best out of each other? You know, which is sort of things that you do when you're trying to build something. You really have to talk to people and find out what their skill sets are, things like that. I mean, I, I've flat out told you, don't put me teaching Bible. Don't put me teaching, you know, all these other things. Like I want to teach how do you build something? Um, and there's a little bit of it. It's almost like an inside joke of you're building something while teaching people how to build something. And it, it kind of helps you to clarify your own mission and your own purpose and why you make certain deliberate choices about how you deliver uh, a sense of something being worthwhile and how you meet people's needs, which I think is what it really means to build a for-profit or nonprofit organization. It's about meeting human needs. Um, and providing that while teaching it is a really cool thing and being able to kind of stay for lack of a better word stay in my lane which i don't mean to be it, sometimes people use that in an insulting way yes i i, I love it i think it's great right. like please keep me in my lane i'm begging you don't don't right. let me veer off into something else and everybody who works for us will tell you i teach my field i teach exactly. my lane but more importantly i teach my experience of it right, right? right. you don't just teach talmud because like you said you like it or because you're a talmud teacher but because you are living those questions. Like that is a daily active practice of teaching and learning and growing and questioning. You, you teach pastoral care because when you get off the Zoom call, you're going to go do it, you know? Right, exactly. And you, and you as a teacher get impacted by the experiences you have out there in the field. And then when it's time to teach, you can't help. It's like every Devar Torah is based on the book that the rabbi's reading at the time, right? You know, that kind of stuff, or like the TV show you just watched is going to be the sermon that you give during Mincha or whatever. Um, and, uh, and it's true when you're teaching a class that, you know, if you take the innovation program, you're going to learn how Punctura was built. You're going to learn what it's been like to be the rabbi of two completely different Jewish communities and what's worked. And, and my favorite part is what hasn't worked. Talking about things sure. that were mistakes that you make, because that's a, a normal process too. But getting to be 
part of it, I, I do often find myself wanting to email the teachers and saying, hey, can I just, you know, email you some, <laughs> can I just find out what the assignments are and email? I'm like, that's not how it works. Like that ship sailed. You are who you are. It's done. No, you can't grant smicha and then, you know, go around the other side of the lectern <laughs> and get smicha again. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's true. It's true. <laughs> that's oh, funny. Well. Do you, do you have a favorite class? Of, I mean, you know, not naming names of teachers specifically, but do you have like a favorite elective or a class that we teach or, or a reason why we teach a class? I guess pastoral care, you brought that up. Sure. So do I have a favorite class besides the one that I teach? Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you I should mean, talk about what you teach then. Yeah, that's because a fair point. I sort of like that one. Uh, that's why I'm teaching it, I guess, right? That makes sense as we just spoke about that. Do you um, know I often forget that you teach that class? Like I know you teach it, but for some you. reason, because I'm so used to thinking about you, you're focusing on other areas. I right. forget that you also sort of donate your time to that. Well, you know what? So anyway, so I'll talk about mine because it's, I guess, the favorite one that I have because I don't want to talk about like another person's course because then- oh, yeah. Because then it might be seen as being favoritism. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, but, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but so the course that I have is, um, it's a Jewish history course, but it actually is looking at the history of the movements, ironically, in Judaism, right? As go. we first started talking today. Um, but it, it traces the beginnings of the movements in Judaism from Europe right. to the United States and really to today and what i really like about it is that there's so much information in such a little amount of time <laughs> like we cover so <laughs> much space and and you see this and and the way that i put the course together is there's a build-up obviously we start at the beginning where there wasn't anything you know there's it's right. judaism it's not a movement right and so then the normative there's cultural judaism correct and then there's conflicting ideas and then all of a sudden you have two opposing groups and you have a movement right battle right. and then as it comes to the united states you know you see the influence of living in the united states and how it's different and how then the movements become totally different than what they have in europe or the rest of the world today and one of the fun parts for me is really showing through all of this how you are not just a movement, right? That it's right. about that peoplehood right. as we talked about. And so much so that one of our students who took it this past uh, you know, ending in December uh, was like after each each class, so each each unit was a different movement, right? right. And right. like, wow, I really feel like I'm conservative. And then the next week, like, no, no, I think I'm reconstructionist. Yeah. No, actually, actually, maybe there's a little renewal in there too. And that's how it went like the entire time because the, the so material awesome. that they were reading was all firsthand, right? It was all right. writings of the people who were the movement leaders or people who influenced sure. movements. And they were also, of course, not those, you know, if you're looking at Mordecai Kaplan, who's the founder of Reconstructionist Jews, and he wasn't a Reconstructionist Jew, he was an ousted conservative Jew, you know, right, right. so like, of course, he has conservative values. So, like, right, obviously. Like, so people are like, No, I'm this, no, I'm that. No, it's all the same. And the best part for me was that the, the last class unofficially was actually at ordination, because it's the course is given the last, the, you know, the last class of the second year of of your uh, of your work with us so you have right. that moment of like oh let's let's culminate it right here before we do the baiting and here we are you know so that's yeah. pretty cool for me and i think that that wasn't really planned that way but it came out that way and that was awesome 
Yeah, yeah, it was you a know? wonderful moment. That's for yeah. sure. That's for sure. Yeah. What about you? Do you have one? Uh, I mean, yeah. So I'm. I guess I'm stuck with that problem of I can't. Uh, I can't name. <laughs> right. Names. You know, I here's one I will do because it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't directly. You know speak to a, a particular educator one of the things that i like is the independent studies that we do where yeah. you can be sort of interning for a synagogue or a school or something like that and receive those credits for that work because we really want people to not be these little private islands of judaism where they're off hiding in the corner of their jew of their local jewish community and then one day they're going to burst onto the scene as a rabbi right, right? we want people to have opportunities to learn from the local conservative rabbi or the reform mm -hmm. rabbi or another independent rabbi, um, you know, things like that, or to be working in the nonprofit world or, uh, you know, the hospital systems doing, getting CPE, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, clinical pastoral education. So I think that's actually one of my favorites because it's not, you know, everyone talked about during the beginning of COVID that we needed to have synagogues without walls, right? right. Um, and that really just meant sit on Zoom. But yeah. uh, the fact that we are a seminary without walls, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not just learning from, you know, Rabbi Zisser on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., right? Or, you know, taking an asynchronous class with Rabbi Patrick and, you know, scheduling some appointments to talk about, you know, how do you fundraise or how do you think about budgets and things like that. But instead, it's, it's that plus laning at the conservative synagogue, plus teaching Hebrew at the, you know, reform synagogues been in this program and that that is that is an active part of of learning to do the role of rabbi and that in a sense all of those mentors out there are prs uh, uh colleagues right because they are choosing to give that opportunity to that student of ours right. so the right. blessing of these people who work in the field offering to be mentors and, you know, the students, of course, receive credits. So that's part of why they do it, right? It gives you an right. elective credit. And there's actually several opportunities for that in very uh, defined categories, right? We have one just for children's education, one for just adult education, just for Shabbat leadership, things like that. But the fact that somewhere there, there is that Reconstructionist rabbi who is mentoring one of our students, you know, and at the same time, someone else in that cohort is being mentored by a renewal rabbi who has a completely different approach. Um, and all of those colleagues out there, and I, I kind of just want to say thank you to those people. You know, you're not part of our faculty proper, maybe you should be, uh, you know, so think about that. But the fact that you're helping these students of ours and they are students of yours and we have a relationship now, even if it's just, you know, signing some papers, you know, and seeing your name and knowing who you are. Um, and, you know, obviously them looking into us and making sure there's credibility there, which there obviously is. Um, but but that's that to me is a wonderful thing that it's not just what is Rabbi Sandy's Judaism or what is Rabbi Patrick's uh, Judaism, but it's that plus, 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 plus. Right. So I, I right, think that right. to me is, is the favorite. That's good. I like that. That's for sure. There's there's all kinds of other classes, but I think that's the one that, yeah. that I would speak to. Yeah. So I have a surprise question. So, oh, no. oh, yeah, no. yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you know, there's always a high school yearbook or something out there that has like sure. a uh, most likely to succeed as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote, right. If you could think back to remember what yours was, what, I, what my most likely most likely to been? succeed was, because I actually 
found mine and I think it's really hysterical. So I was going to share it. Um, but if you have, if you have yours, think about it, if not for the next time. Okay. Yeah. Well, my situation is a little unique because I, I stopped going to high school at 16. So, okay, there you go. Uh, so so ready I, don't, for mine? I don't have the yearbook thing, but I have, a, I, I have a version of that. Got statement, it. Actually. So, it's not the so, same, but I have a version. So what's yours? So <laughs> ready for this one. So my yeah. most, my most likely to succeed as, as, as stated in my high school yearbook was a rabbi at a discount house of worship and drive-in circumcision center. <laughs> And I think about that, you know, because, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a high school student then, right? Like, why would you think that? Right. Because I guess somewhere someone thought like this person is an out of the box thinker right. and, and doer, right? So right. like, <laughs> like, it's funny, like a, a, a rabbi at a drive-in house of worship and discounts circumcision center, but, <laughs> but like it, 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 it sort of makes sense. It's not obviously what we do because that would just be hysterical, but it is this idea of taking something that's practical and using it, yeah, you know, and, and making it, it what the people want, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that I was like, oh, I, I guess I succeeded. Yeah. Which yeah, is, did. which you is did. funny. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's a funny thought. Like when, you know, who, who knows when you give so, uh, like a 16 year old, you know, a quote right. that it's right. going to be actually what you are. So I have a, a version of that, which yeah. is the aptitude test. Yeah. Okay. Said, sure. Right. I don't even know if they do this stuff anymore, but so they had, so they had me take an aptitude test. I remember sitting, sitting in front of this like clunky desktop computer with sure. like, the floppy disk, you know, stuck in yeah, you know, yeah. like that kind of deal. So you take the aptitude test. So mine was, uh, there were only two things that apparently I could do in this world based yeah. on, based on that. So uh, curiously enough, and I don't know what made them decide this, the software that is uh landscape architect nice or rabbi there you go <laughs> and if i remember very specifically it said rabbi huh. i was like well you know at the time i'm like you know not jewish so i, I thought uh, that right. was hilarious but yeah so so now you know god knows how many years ago that was sure. like 20 almost but probably even 30 years ago maybe um doing that and now thinking about being clergy something i never would have had in my right. real house and uh, and the fact that i'm a lousy gardener i suppose that means that i should <laughs> stick to clergy <laughs> well i guess you i guess you showed you showed that huh? <laughs> like you know yeah right right yeah it's 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 very weird how things like that work out yeah yeah it truly is you know it, it is, is true but those are funny well, moments yeah I thought I might end here just with a few announcements. So uh, the Beit Midrash, we talked about this last yes. time, 30 plus classes. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need to be a rabbinical student to join. You just sign up, bam, one-time fee, and you get all these classes forever. And we're always creating new courses and putting them online. So I would encourage you to go on there, you know, be, be a pioneer there, you know, be someone who is an early sign up. Maybe you might even enjoy it enough that you'd like to apply for rabbinical school, but if not, no worries. Go on ahead and get set up with that. Um, you can find us at jewishpluralism.org. You can enroll at any time. So there's no dead. There are deadlines for a cohort, but there are no deadlines to sign up in general. And we'd love to have you. So jewishpluralism.org. Follow us on Facebook if you're into that sort of thing. And really the best way, just reach out to us on the website. You'll get in touch with Rabbi Zisser immediately um, and you can move forward. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. By the way, Patrick, you could take the Bait Midrash classes. 
Oh, that's true. You yeah, to. that's fair, right? Did you, did you hear this thirty? This over thirty of them? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be my path to secondary smicha. There you go. <laughs> hey, you could start there. You never know. Yeah, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, thank you, Rabbi Sandy. All right, thank I you. I look forward to next time.